Hello there, and welcome to City Break Ideas, Episode 2. Bienvenue, willkommen, bienvenidos. I hope your lockdown continues well. Perhaps you even live in one of those countries which are loosening up things a little bit this week. Not true in the UK yet, I'm afraid. In fact, in our wisdom, we've just decided that if you come to visit us, fly in from a foreign airport or come from a foreign port, then you are going to have to go into quarantine for 14 days. What a holiday that'll be. And all of this while we watch on TV the news that, for example, the cathedral in Florence has just opened today to visitors, and that in Paris you can go to the parks again. We can only hope that our politicians are going to see sense and get a little braver very soon. Anyway, City Breaks is continuing its Covid plan. This is week four of 12. We've been on virtual visits to Florence and to Munich. We had the prototype City Break Ideas episode one a couple of weeks ago. And so here follows, inexorably you might say, episode two. Going to start with some news and I have got one or two quite interesting bits of news. Going to move on then to introducing you to a couple of new people I've encountered this week who work in the travel blog and travel writing and travel podcasting fields. And then for the main part of the episode, five more City Break ideas, which I've acquired from various sources, just to whet your appetite, make you dream a little, or possibly reminisce a little, if you've actually been to them. Okay then, news. Well, the big news is that I realised preparing this, this is actually episode 100 of City Breaks. A milestone, no? That's 50 hours of me sitting in a little room upstairs talking to myself. Not accounting, of course, for all the hours that go into the travelling and the reading and the preparing and the starting again. Anyway, I think the main achievement is that having thought about it for years, I did actually finally get started. Oh yes, we've now had six different series. I like to think I'm getting the hang of it. And I've certainly got lots more ideas of cities I would love to cover. Perhaps the most exciting thing recently has been that I've started to dip a toe into the water of listener engagement. Encourage you to do a little more than just listen, but to get in touch with your ideas. More of that anon, of course. Today, then, I'm going to introduce briefly two people, more accurately, two sets of people, that I've met, in inverted commas, recently, while going about my City Breaks business. One's in the category of professional, I would say, runs a travel website, and the others are two delightful amateurs that I came across looking for travel podcasts, and whose work I've really enjoyed so far. So then, the first one, Découvrir la vie, they're called, or Discover Life, if you prefer. I've been working with them very recently. They were kind enough to do a feature on my Paris podcast series, which I enjoyed writing. How did it get started? What's in it? Why you should listen? That sort of thing. And which I hope will encourage lots more people to give it a go. So, what actually is Découvrir la vie? You can find them at découvrirlavie.com and they describe themselves as a travel inspiration and story sharing platform. Readers in 123 countries, I've noticed they update that figure and that's actually bang up to date May 2020. And it's a place to store travel guides, recommendations. On their website, there's a whole list of things, stories, photo series, short films, interviews and much more. They're massively wider ranging than City Breaks. But naturally, when I first went onto the website, I did want to see what they did City Breaks-wise. And imagine my surprise when one of the very first things that I found was a travel guide to Seville. A briefer version of City Breaks Seville, really, with added restaurant tips and much, much better photos. 
gorgeous photos of Seville. Go on and have a look. And the other article I found quite quickly that was of relevance to City Breaks was called Paris, Seven Best Places to See Sunset in Paris. A useful sort of article because it gives you the actual addresses of the places, tells you whether you'll need to pay to get in or climb up it, gives you lots of inspiration and, of course, some lovely photographs. I wouldn't dream of giving all their seven best places away. You have to go onto the website and look at the article for that. But perhaps they won't mind me telling you that one of them was the Tour Montparnasse. Everyone knows that you can climb the Eiffel Tower and take gorgeous photos from there. Lots of people might go up, say, the Arc de Triomphe. But the Tour Montparnasse does get forgotten. And here they are showing you that, of course, if you climb up there, you get lovely photos of the Tour Eiffel, etc, etc. But I wouldn't like to give the idea that it's all city break based, because it really isn't. It's much, much more wide ranging. And just a couple of things I picked out to mention. Amazing article called Natural Wonders in Serbia with the most fantastic photographs. There was an article called How to Photograph Sunsets. So if your photos when you're out and about disappoint you somewhat, maybe this is a place to look and see how to do it better. And then I was also struck by another one called 75 Inspiring Images from Around the World. Because who doesn't like looking through gorgeous travel photographs? Découvrir la vie are very strong on getting in touch. In fact, they did get in touch with me, which was rather nice. And I promptly got Saxon Bosworth, who runs the whole thing, to give me a city break idea that I could feature in one of the episodes. And you'll be hearing that in a few moments when I get on to the city break ideas section of the podcast. Okay, so that's been my first interesting encounter very recently. And the other one is a lovely little podcast series called The Places Where We Go. All written as one word. You type that into a podcast platform, I think you'll find it. Or you can go looking at theplaceswherewego.com. I'm not quite sure how I came across it, but I'm very pleased I did. And here, to whet your appetite, is what you'll first meet when you go onto the front page of the website. Adventures await as there are places to go, things to do, people to meet, food to eat. It's one stop at a time for us, soaking up new experiences along the way. We are Art and Julie, a couple from Simi Valley, California, who love to travel. It doesn't matter if the journey is a faraway adventure or a local road trip. We thrive on the types of new experiences that travel brings. On our blog, you'll read about places we've visited. If we haven't been there, we don't write about it. I warm to that. It made me want to go travelling. And I like the last bit because actually that's a city breaks idea as well. I don't write about anywhere. I haven't actually been. So if you go onto the website, you'll find their travel blog, lots of photos, all sorts of bits and pieces, a recipe here, some chit-chat there. But actually the main point is really to listen to the podcasts. Very different from mine, not least because you've got two voices, which actually is great. It sounds like two people who are fond of each other and fond of travelling, just chatting along about where they've been and why they liked it. Very relaxing. A real feel-good listen. They too have been persuaded to come up with a city break idea, and in a few moments I'll be telling you what that is along with a little bit more information about a couple of the podcasts of theirs that I've listened to. But first, 100 episodes. I really felt I should do something to celebrate. But what? Should I talk about 100 cities in one episode? Mm, maybe not. Then I thought, 100 lists, that's a good idea. I don't mean actually 100 lists, I mean googling a list of top 100s in a city sort of context. So I did that and I found 
two or three lists that I'm just going to mention briefly because all of them give you a bit of inspiration about cities that you might want to visit. So I found the Lonely Planet Top 100 Cities. The list was on the web, but it comes from a book called A Journey Through the Best Cities in the World, which was published in 2009. Surely a must-have for anybody who likes city hopping. And the description on the site I looked at said that it takes you, quote, from Paris to Dakar, chronicling the hundred most dynamic, beautiful, thriving, fast-paced and all-round fascinating cities for travellers to see at least once in their lifetimes. So, of course, now you want to know which ones they rated. OK, then, the top five were Paris, New York, Sydney, Barcelona and London. I know four of the five, to some extent at least, and so, of course, that left me thinking, Sydney, I must go there, if it's really as lovely as those other four places and worthy of third place on the top 100 in the Lonely Planet list, no less, then put that on the to-do list. Might take a while, I think. Sounds a long way away and expensive to get there. But you can dream, can't you? Of course, also, I was interested to know where my, in inverted commas, cities are on this list, if they're there at all. And in fact, of the six cities that I've covered so far, five do indeed feature in the top 100. Paris, as I've mentioned, was number one, and the next one down was Florence, mentioned at number 27, followed by Munich, 37. I was pleased to see that, because I know that Munich gets forgotten in some people's lists of best cities, and that's really a travesty. Seville came in at number 44, St. Petersburg at 57, another city that I think people forget or perhaps don't quite have the nerve to go to, thinking that it might be scary in some way, whereas you really, really should go. And if you're wondering why, have another listen to some of these St. Petersburg episodes. So then, the only one of the six cities that I've covered so far that's missing is Toulouse. And all I can say to that is, that's your loss, Lonely Planet. I think you should send one of your writers back to Toulouse to perhaps sip a cocktail at sunset on the Place du Capitole and rethink and insert Toulouse somewhere. I don't know if you're a list browser, but I certainly am. And of course, I was instantly struck by good ideas for future city breaks. I think of all the hundred cities on the list, some of the most enticing were Istanbul, very dreamy photo of that staring out at me from the screen. Then there was Berlin, which is sort of on my list, but keeps getting knocked off the spot for next episode by something else. But yes, I must do Berlin. And I was very taken by a photograph of Krakow. I've long had it in mind to do Prague. I'm quite keen to do another East European city quite soon, and Prague's the one that comes to mind, but actually looking at the photos of Krakow, that's going to be a difficult decision, to which perhaps in the end the only solution will be, why not do both? I found a different list altogether of the world's largest cities, the top 100. I think there are different ways of measuring largest cities, and this one was doing it according to the metropolitan district that's actually the city itself, and not the outskirts. And on that measurement, Shanghai came first, followed by Beijing and Karachi. If I'm honest, I hadn't thought of doing any of those three very soon. I think I might be a bit more of a Europe girl, really. Although, as I've said, Sydney's on the list now. But that's as much for cost reasons as anything else. So I had a look. What else was there on the world's largest city lists that I thought would make a good city break? And immediately off the list leapt up Moscow. 13 million inhabitants, apparently. Place number seven on the world's largest cities list, although I wouldn't actually have guessed that. But anyway, yep, Moscow, put that there. And London, lovely London, 
27th place, nearly 9 million inhabitants. Absolutely, definitely always on my list. And actually, might get to that quite soon, because if travel abroad really is going to be difficult, maybe I'll be able to get to London and back enough times to sharpen up my research and fill in a few gaps and do that quite soon. Speaking of non-European cities, Tokyo, number six on the list, and actually one I have visited, and yes, definitely a good idea. And then, dreamily, the faraway look comes into my eyes immediately as I see that lovely word, Casablanca. I don't think I know anything about Casablanca, except that I've always wanted to go. A third version of the 100 cities I might just mention briefly is one called bestcities.org forward slash rankings forward slash worlds hyphen best hyphen cities. A bit of a mouthful of a title, but worth a look because it had the most gorgeous photographs, not actually of every city featured, but the photos they had were just stunning. I think this list was some kind of financial thing, and the top three were London, New York and Paris. And then just lastly, to mention a book that I came across while I was a googling, and that's called A Hundred Cities of the World by Falco Brenner. Does from what I saw exactly what it says on the cover. I had a quick look at the reviews. Somebody said, oh yes, it takes you everywhere you'd ever want to go from, quote, Montreal to Montevideo, Quito to Kansas City, Windhoek to Wellington. And then possibly slightly worryingly, a different reviewer said, this is a great book with beautiful pictures from around the world and just makes you want to visit all of them. I can hear my husband in the background sighing, oh my goodness, that sounds like an expensive book. Actually, just to be clear, I don't think the book itself was particularly expensive, but it did look very readable. Anyway, so much for my small hundred celebrations. Onward and upwards, and let's hope that before too long, we're celebrating 200 episodes. So, City Break Ideas. The first one comes from Saxon Bosworth, who runs the Découvrir la Vie website. And I was interested to know what he would pick, because he does sound like a man who's done plenty of travelling. So where would he choose? He went on to the blog on the website and wrote the following. Last year I had the good fortune of visiting Malta. Undoubtedly a beautiful place with lots to see and do, and I found the historical side really interesting. Different inhabitants over the centuries, the role the Maltese islands played during various wars, and the story of the Great Siege, which I was told by a local. Definitely somewhere for history buffs then. Not, if we're strictly speaking honest, a city. So I've narrowed it down a bit. Let's make our city break idea Valletta, the capital of Malta, of course. A world heritage site, exotically located between Sicily and the North African coast. And yes, crammed with history. One of those Google frequently asked questions about what is there to do in Valletta generated the answer. It has, quote, much more history than Vegas or New York. So there you go. There have been Romans, there have been the French and the British. But the biggest role seems to have been played by the Knights of St. John of Jerusalem, whose Grand Master Jean de la Valette commissioned the magnificent fortress in the 16th century. I had a quick look at what there would be to do in Valletta. Lovely Grand Harbour, ancient fortifications, St. John's Cathedral. Of course, you always look at the cathedral anywhere, but when I saw the inside of this one, I was blown away. How to describe it? The whole thing inside was like a giant jewel-encrusted treasure trove. Vibrant colours, floor-to-ceiling, just stunning. And in the museum next door, you can see some Caravaggio paintings. I think it might be one of those city break venues which would be a good thing if you're into city breaks and whoever you're going with, perhaps a bit less so. 
likes to get out into the country and see some beautiful views because here you'll have dramatic cliffs, gorgeous sea views and, as I saw described somewhere on a website, quote, stunning landscapes and ancient buildings which make it the perfect backdrop for feature films such as Troy and Gladiator. Something else that attracted me was the idea that nothing is more than 30 minutes away from Valletta so you can have a city break and get out and about as well and visit the rest of the island. Definitely a good idea. Thank you, Saxon. Idea number two from this week, I've borrowed from The Guardian, because I noticed they had, on Twitter, a feature about visiting Amsterdam while stuck in lockdown. And as you know, I've got quite into the virtual visits myself, so I was intrigued to see what someone else did with this idea. I had a look at some of the things that they suggested, and here's my report. I was very intrigued by the idea of going to something called the Rijksstudio, You might know that the big art gallery in Amsterdam is called the Rijksmuseum, R-I-J-K-S, and this Rijks studio seemed to be an online version. Their tagline is, quote, browse 676,791 works of art. I had a very brief go at this. I was intrigued by the fact that they had filed their paintings under category headings with titles like peasants or fancy headgear and made esoteric little collections of paintings in their collection, which fitted those titles. You could also search by artist or by painting name. You could browse the familiar, things like Vermeer's The Milkmaid. You could find the obscure. You could even, apparently, although I didn't quite manage this, download the paintings, or some of them, in puzzle format. So there's an idea if you are still out and about a bit less than you would like to be. A really good website, which I found thanks to this article, was the virtual version of the Van Gogh Museum. So much information, so many paintings, and really parceled up nicely and very accessibly. So for example, they've got a section called Stories, and in there were 25 different sets of information, some biographical about Vincent Van Gogh, for example one called Vincent and Theo, about his relationship with his brother, to whom he was very close, others on his techniques, so-called maybe the painter of sunflowers or the artist in Paris. And for each one, an interesting little mix of text and loads and loads of pictures. Really somewhere where you could learn such a lot about Van Gogh, either because you're going and you want to understand a bit better what you see when you get there, or maybe because actually you're not going or you're not going yet, but you'd like to be. And thirdly from the Guardian article, I found a link to the Anne Frank House, who also do quite a lot of interesting stuff online. There's a whole project called The Secret Annex, which will tell you the history of the building, allow you to explore it, and learn the story of Anne and the people that she lived with, hidden away because of the danger of being found by the Nazis. All three of those websites will definitely help you visit Amsterdam, and they'll put lots of lovely pictures in your head, bound to make you want to go and actually see them for yourself. Idea number three for this week comes from Twitter, where I found an article by somebody who writes under the name of Travel on a Time Budget. Somebody obviously very fond of Zurich and has put together lots of photographs to have you drooling and wanting to go, along with some information about the city. It starts very enticingly, quote, a chocolate box old town, a crystal clear river that runs through the historic centre and a glacial lake from which you can see the surrounding mountains. You can swim in both the rivers and the lake. I learnt from the blog that Zurich is the financial capital of Switzerland, said in fact sometimes to be the most expensive city in the world. 
So one of the things to do there would appear to be go to the Money Museum, or indeed to the Bahnhofstrasse, which actually means Railway Street, doesn't sound very glamorous, but which is said to be the world's most expensive shopping street. But if money, or indeed shopping, isn't your thing, it's also the home to the FIFA World Football Museum. Who knew? But the things I read that made me most want to go there were more focused on outdoor pursuits. There's a wonderful place called the Thermalbad, as in thermal bath, thermal bath spa, where you can swim in a rooftop spa. There's a hill in the middle of the city called Lindenhof Hill, which you can climb up to a park right at the top for gorgeous views of the city. And I was very taken with the idea of train trips from Zurich out to the Jungfraujoch Glacier or taking a train into the mountains. There's something called the Bernina Express, apparently, which will take you out and into the Alps. So again, a good city break venue if you're a mixed party. Someone wants to go to museums and look at buildings and learn the history and somebody else would really rather be outside. You can do both in Zurich. So thanks to Travel on a Time Budget for suggesting that. The fourth suggestion of the day comes from Art and Julie, mentioned already as the two people in charge of the podcast, The Places Where We Go, who kindly replied to my query on Twitter, what would your city break idea be? Where would you recommend and why? And they said, we fell in love with the city of Gdansk, its history and its food, and its role as a base for exploring nearby areas. Gdansk, I thought, what do I know about that? Two things, I decided. One, it's been German in the past. It used to be called Danzig. And two, I remember those very moving television pictures from the 1980s, shot in the shipyard in Gdansk, of Lech Walesa and his solidarity movement standing up to communism. It was heart-stopping at the time, whatever was going to happen. But of course, we all know now that it ended happily. Anyway, Gdansk. I checked up a few more things. One of Poland's prettiest seaside cities, said an article I was reading. Situated on Poland's Baltic coast. That being the reason, of course, why Germany and Poland, over time, have fought over it. A strategically very useful position. Looking up ideas of things to see there, lots of people mentioned the Royal Way, an impressive wide street which Poland's kings used to use when they went out on promenade, wanted to be seen by all and sundry and make an impression. A lot of people mentioned World War II memorabilia. There's a museum in Gdansk itself about World War II, and you can take a trip out to something called the Vestaplata Peninsula, which is described as being, quote, a huge outdoor museum and memorial on World War II, situated right at the spot where the Germans first launched their attacks in 1939. So again, by the sound of it, a city for history buffs. I think maybe quite a few city break listeners might be interested in history. And then, as I researched a little further, one of my two facts, which I mentioned a minute ago, came good, because the other thing to visit in Gdansk is something called the European Solidarity Centre a memorial and a museum to that famous time when what seemed like an unlikely little trade union did indeed succeed in their quest to gain their freedom. The centre's own website promises that, quote, you'll get to know the key characters, find out about Solidarity's core philosophy and the role of the church in the movement, and also how it quickly spread to other Soviet satellite states. So, yes, thank you, Art. Thank you, Julie. I hadn't thought of Gdansk, but now I'm intrigued. I was also quite intrigued to learn that it's a city very much based on amber, 
so you might be interested to know that you can visit the Amber Museum there, right in the city centre. What about the food, I wondered? Nothing I read said anything much about that, so I googled Polish food and found the following quite baffling sentence. The most recommendable dishes are bigos, kotlet szabowy, pierogi and golabki. I do apologise if you know any Polish and I'm murdering those words. But I think it's fair to say that most people who don't speak Polish will be quite baffled by that list. Although I do wonder if that word kotlet in the middle just means cutlet? Question mark? Do write in if you know. The website continued. Poles boast that their two basic products are bread and sausages. The most typical ingredients in Polish cuisine are sauerkraut, beetroot, gherkins, sour cream, kohlrabi, mushrooms, sausages and smoked sausage. And they were quick to point out that actually it's the spices and herbs that make it particularly Polish in flavour. Think marjoram, dill, parsley. And this article ended with a recommendation that you might wash it all down with a shot of vodka. So there you go, Gdansk. And then the last idea for today also comes from the places where we go, because in addition to asking them for their suggestion, I had to listen to a couple of their episodes because I noticed they'd been to Bath here in the UK. And actually there were three episodes on Bath for your delectation. And I was intrigued by the idea that people had come all the way from California to see Bath. Not because it isn't lovely, it certainly is. But when you think how many places there are to see in Europe, it's still quite intriguing that that's what they picked. Of course they went to lots of other places in the area too, but it was Bath that interested me. Not least because, actually, Bath is going to be the next proper City Break series. Research is underway. I was halfway through the visiting. In fact, I live only an hour's drive away from Bath. So instead of going to stay, like I normally do when I'm researching a City Break, I've just been going for the day here and there. And I'd done some of the visits. As I said at the beginning, in common with Art and Julie on the places where we go, I don't write about anywhere I haven't been. And even though I've been to some of these places before, I wanted to go and see what they're like now and make sure my research is really up to date. Anyway, all of that's on hold, as you can imagine. But just as soon as we can get going, I shall be doing that. And there'll be, I estimate, 10, 11, maybe 12 episodes on Bath to come. So how intriguing then to find that somebody else has got there first and done some podcasts on Bath. I had to listen. And it was a lovely listen, so I recommend you have a go. The places where we go is what you need to type in to your podcast provider. Okay, so they've done two episodes on the city itself and they're running through their top ten. And quite a lot of the first episode was devoted to number one on the list, of course, the Roman baths. I hope I'm not insulting anyone when I say that we all know that when Americans come to Britain, they're often very, very taken with just how old some of the stuff we've got here is. And sure enough... Art and Julie really enjoyed seeing something that was built in Roman times and looking at the sculptures and the statues in the museum, which, as they pointed out, were so well preserved. They were quite brave. They went next door to the pump room and drank some spa water. Not something every Brit would do. I don't think they were that keen, and they did comment that they'd found it rather smelly and I think possibly had to hold their nose before actually doing it. But when they read that there are no fewer than 43 minerals in this water, that kind of explained why it might taste a little strange. Later on in the podcast, I think it was in the second episode, they talked about the walking tour that they went on, and that was a good way of introducing some of the other top sites in the city of Bath, which they visited. 
So the assembly rooms, for example, where they enjoyed looking at the huge ballroom, thinking of Jane Austen and her characters, enjoying very pleasant evenings in those lovely surroundings. The walk took them along the Royal Crescent as well, definitely one of the absolute must-sees in Bath. If you don't know anything about it, think gorgeous Georgian terrace of, I'm not sure how many, I think 36 buildings maybe, in a curved crescent with a glorious park in front of them. Exactly the sort of place where you might film some Jane Austen movie. They went further, they crossed Pulteney Bridge, one of those very unusual little bridges with shops on both sides along the actual bridge, think Ponte Vecchio in Florence, and went to Great Pulteney Street, another expanse of gorgeous Georgian architecture of the sort that they do best in Bath. So all of that is one, a great City Break recommendation for anybody. Thank you, Julie, and thank you, Art. But also a nice little taster for the idea that as soon as things get back to normal, City Break's Bath will start turning up on your podcast feed. We're not quite there yet. The Covid plan continues. So next week I'm going to do another virtual visit, this time to St Petersburg. Do a rundown of lots of things that you can do virtually to get a flavour of St Petersburg and hopefully give people who haven't been there yet a little nudge in the direction of wouldn't that be a good idea. And then the week after that we'll be back to City Break Ideas and for that, yes please, I do need your ideas. Can you suggest somewhere that you've been or somewhere that you'd like to go? Name it, that's a great start, but actually even better is if you can say why. What is it that you particularly enjoyed doing there? Or why is it that you specially want to go to that place? Is it a particular building? Is it something you've read in the history books? You want to see where that happened? Is it art? Is it food? What is it? That would be great to know. There are three ways to get in touch. So let me just end today's episode by reminding you what they are. You can leave a comment on our blog. If you go on to www.citybreakspodcast.co.uk You'll find the blog on the homepage and the top entry at the moment says City Break Ideas. Click on that, you can read what other people have sent in and then please do leave a comment for me to find. Thank you. Alternatively, you can email citybreaks at citybreakspodcast.co.uk If you want to send a photo, which would be lovely, email's a good way to do that. Don't forget to name the city and give us a reason as well. Or finally, Twitter you can find us using at City Breaks Cast. I'm hoping to sit back for a fortnight and receive lots of great ideas. But for now, I'm going to round off by thanking you very much for listening and hoping that you will join me again next week for our virtual visit to St. Petersburg. For the moment then, I might say goodbye in Russian just to give a little advanced flavour of next week. So goodbye, or if you prefer, Dosvidanya. Svidanya.